Welcome to our second week of, of Ecclesia. Um, Church Project is here. Jacob's Well is here. And it's so nice just to look around and to see everybody. I, I pulled away last week. If you were here last week, it was, it was special, wasn't it? I pulled away last week thinking, man, this is awesome. And one of the things that I talked about a lot this week was just, look at this. The body of Christ. It doesn't matter where you're from, what accent you have. When we come together, we are one body. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, isn't it? Today I'm excited. We are not guaranteed uh, another day. (laughs) Welcome, that's the good news. (laughs) Hey, welcome. We're not guaranteed another day. Today may be the only day we have. This moment may be the only moment we have. And as Christians, as followers of Christ, let's run after God. Let's love being in relationship with Him. And oh yeah, by the way, let's smile and show other people that same love. So today I pray that in this place, it's, it's not about um, you know, our temperature. It's not about what we're going to do this afternoon. It's not about anything other than experiencing the love of God personally, each and every one of us in here. And we get to do that as one body. Isn't that beautiful? Hey, I want to encourage you right from the very beginning. We're going to be in Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. If you do not have a Bible, we have Bibles on the back left table. Uh, You can raise your hand if you need a Bible and we'll bring it to you. And, And guess what? If you do not own a Bible, this is our gift to you. Take it. Read it. We're not going to project the the verses up on the screen. Not that that's bad, uh, but we want and and we ask you, have your Bible in front of you. This, This is what guides our life. This is the Word of God. And so we hope that you have it up on front of you. Some of you are just techy enough to have it on your iPhones and iPads. Good for you. Here it is. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2. I'm reading out of the NIV Um, So it may be a little different if if you're reading a different version. But we're going to look at verses 36 uh, through through the rest of Acts chapter 2. But I want want to kind of talk about a little bit of what's going on. This is the beginning of church. This is the beginning of the New Testament church, Jesus. He has lived his life. He's had apostles and disciples. He's went around, he's healed people, risen people from the dead. He's done incredible things. And just a little while ago, we saw Jesus, if, if you read in the Bible, you see that Jesus was crucified on the cross, that, that he rose from the dead. And now all this, this new church, his disciples, his followers. Last week we looked at, in, at the first part of Acts when the apostles were there and Jesus had appeared to people multiple times after his death just to reassure them that he was the Messiah, he was the risen king. And the last time that he appeared, we looked at last week. And he looked at his disciples, he looked at the apostles and he said, I'm about to send the Holy Spirit to you and it's going to be good. So go to Jerusalem and and wait for me. Because I've been with you in the physical all this time. But now I'm going to be with you in the spirit. I'm going to be with you all the time. And if you were here last week, what we talked about is as Jesus ascended to heaven. Imagine what that felt like if you were one of those apostles or disciples sitting there. Jesus is coming. He's throwing you the car keys and saying, then they. Then they what, church? Then they. That's us right now, the church. We are walking representations of Jesus and his love than they. I'm excited, churches. We're here right now. And we're exploring what it means to, to be a church. 
to be a New Testament church, to be followers of Christ. So Jesus, last week, we saw he ascended to heavens. There was dozens of days from the Passover to the, to the Pentecost. And from his ascension last week, the, the apostles went to Jerusalem and they were staying in the upper room. And it was about six days in the upper room. And, and Jesus said, I'm going to send to you this Holy Spirit. And if you want to read more of what that looks like, read John 16. That's, that's a pretty cool chapter. And, and so Jesus then sends his Holy Spirit and it's the indwelling eternal presence of God living in us as his church. It's his presence. The people in Jerusalem at this time, they're from all over the world and they heard the gospel in their own language, which is a beautiful thing. And now people, as we come into Acts chapter 2, are coming around and they're saying, what is happening? We've heard this gospel message in our own language. This Holy Spirit has come. And how can that be? Are these people drunk? And Peter stands up and he says, no, these people aren't drunk. Like they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're filled with God. And that's how you're able to hear in your own language. So these people come and, and they come to Peter. And, and, and so that's kind of a quick little quick flyby stand like setup to what we're getting to today. So if you open your Bible. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to start reading in verse 36. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wondrous wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and and their possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Look at verse 36. This is one of those, I, I just went on a vacation, and uh, we, were, we were on vacation, and it was a, a beach vacation, and on this vacation, um, I, didn't, I didn't realize that we were far away from a city, far away from Walmarts, far away from these kind of things, and, and on this vacation, um, the, the resort that we were staying at decided to charge $30 for a bottle of sunscreen. Now, is that normal? At all? How much can you get sunscreen for? I mean, it's, it's not $30 a bottle, but they had us. It was like, there you go, $30. What are you going to do? Go get sun poison or are you going to spend $30 for this bottle of sunscreen? And, and, and I started thinking, what would I do? What, what item would you like want 
If you were on an island all alone, if you could have one item, right? That's that question you're supposed to ask. One item on an island, what would it be? It would be sunscreen for me, for sure. <laughs> Especially at $30 a bottle, you know? But as we, look at, as we look at verse 36, this is such a beautiful verse. This is close. This is close to, if I could only have one verse in the whole Bible, this is close to it. Because look at the meat of verse 36. Like, this is more than $30 sunscreen. This is more than one item. Like, this is an eternal message in verse 36 that if we get this, it changes everything. Look at verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Think about this. There is a God. And you are not him. There is a God. He's eternal. He's powerful. He's good. He's never wrong. Never worried. He's never wandering. He's he's never sinned. And Philippians 2.10 says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. There is a God. Amen. But also, what does this verse say? It says, you killed the Son of God in your own sin. We're not God. And we killed the Son of God in our own sin. Each of us have sinned. It's passed down from our father, Adam. We see Adam's two sons. It's passed down to them and their kids. One one of the sons kills the other sons. And welcome aboard, 7.5 billion people on the planet. And we're all sinners. It's in us. It's our DNA. Everyone who has lived and everyone will live, we have the DNA of sin in us. But also look at this verse. There is a God, and we've killed the Son of God in our own sins. But look at, look at this. He is Lord, and he is Messiah. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both, both Lord and Messiah. I say, thank God that he is Lord. But also, look at this. This is the gospel message wrapped up for us in such a beautiful thing. He's the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the answer. This one verse is the gospel message wrapped up. And it is so beautiful. This is the one verse I'm like on an island. I would love to have this verse because it encompasses everything, the entire story for Aaron Havens. There is a God. I am not him. My sin has caused him to be crucified. But he, Jesus, is risen from the dead. He's my Lord and he's my Christ, my Savior, my Messiah. Amen. Amen. So Peter is sharing this gospel message to these people. I like Peter. I think he's a good guy. The only thing he knows what to do is to share this gospel message. God has already ordained this moment. I mean, he's already brought so many people around. God has already ordained this moment. And Peter, if he's anything like me, he, he's not smart enough. He's not capable enough. He's not intellect enough. He's not, he doesn't have the right words. But all he has is this, the gospel message. Church, that's what we have. We have the gospel message. If anyone is going to be saved, it is because of this gospel message. Amen? It doesn't matter. Let me me say it this way. 
Let's don't water down this gospel message to attract people to it. It doesn't need anything added to it. Oftentimes in the American church, we probably should subtract some stuff from it. The church is built around this gospel message. This is one Bible. This is the story of God from the beginning of end of how we need him. And everything points to Jesus as our Messiah. God is God. We are sinners. God sent his son Jesus to save us. That's the message. It's a beautiful message. So Peter's up there and he's talking. He's saying, you know, these words we get to verse 37. If you look at verse 37 here. Got to find it. Where did it go? I know it's in here. There it is. When the people heard this, this gospel message, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter is, there's thousands of people now. Thousands of people. And I imagine Peter's yelling over the crowd at the top of his voice. And he's sharing this gospel message. And the spirit of God is there. And he's working and he's drawing people to himself. And they were cut to the heart. I'm a terrible Holy Spirit. Are you? Like I've, I've tried in my life to convict people. Convince them that they're wrong, they're sinners. I'm like, you're such a sinner. I'm a terrible Holy Spirit. You know what? At best, I'm a passive-aggressive Holy Spirit. Like, it, it's, it's, it's not my role. I'm not a good Holy Spirit. My job is to share the gospel. The Holy Spirit will cut them to the heart. <laughs> John 16, 8 uh, gives us a beautiful picture of Jesus giving us his spirit of God to convict the world of sin. That's not our job. Our job is to not walk around and be little convictors and little passive-aggressive Holy Spirit people. Our job is to accept the love and to present the gospel. Let our lives be the gospel. Are you convicted right now? If you are convicted of something right now in your heart, if something is just stirring in you right now, welcome aboard. It's called the Holy Spirit. God is working on your heart and he's drawn you to himself. The Spirit of God works us. The Spirit of God convicts us and the Spirit of God soothes us. I'm glad I'm not the Holy Spirit. But look what happens in verse 37 as you look at it. It says the people heard this gospel message and they were cut to the heart. Why? Because God was drawing people and ordaining this moment for them right there. And what did they do? They looked at Peter, they looked at the apostles and they said what? Brothers. What? What did we do? Brothers. They didn't know, so they asked someone who did know. (laughs) God wants to use us, all of us, to reconcile the world to himself. He wants to use us to reconcile the world to himself. Do you know people around you that are not Christians? And the question is this, do they know that you are a Christian? Because when the Holy Spirit's convicting, when they see life as being lived in the wrong way, Are they going to come to you and say, brothers, sisters, explain more of this message? Romans 1.16 is a very famous verse. You've probably seen it in a lot of different places. But Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. 
One of the greatest blessings and one of the greatest joys in life is to be used by God to reconcile people to himself. This week, something happened to me. And I think it's been dead for a little bit in me. And the people I came across this week, I was maybe a little aggressive. I'm not sure. But here's what happened to me this week. I was saying, God, please give me your eyes. I want to see people the way that you see them this week. I want to see hurt and I want to see pain because I know the gospel message and I know what you've done in my life with this gospel message. So that poor clerk, (laughs) I wouldn't leave her alone this week. I'm like, honey, you're hurting. You're hurting. And we have church project, we have these stupid little cards and all it is is an address and a time and it says we want to change the way people see Christ, Christians, and church. And I'm like, honey, you're hurting. Here, try this. Oh, but I got better than that. Don't worry. Another receptionist I went to today, or this week, I'm like, I heard that you were baptized in a church, but now you don't like religion. And she's like, yeah, and there's no way I'm ever going to church again. I'm like, okay, let's see about this. And I got the card and I turned it and it said, you know, we want to change the way people see Christ, Christians, and church. And I was like, you've experienced a religion. I want to show you a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, you need to come back to church. There's just no excuse to this. Life alone is not going to be lived good and you're going to be full of pain and full of hurt. But there's a Jesus and he loves you and he's died for you and he wants to guide you. He wants to direct you. And she was (laughs) shell-shocked. Who knows? I was, I, was a little, I was a little vocal this week. Sometimes I'm a little over the top. Why? Because this is a life-changing message. There's no greater joy in my life. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love our church. There's no greater joy than to share the gospel message with someone. And watch as God is drawing him to himself. Watch as their life is transformed. So the people around you, do they know your brothers? Do they know that your sisters, that you're Christians, that you're not ashamed of this gospel? Let's look at verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized for every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Peter is saying, repent, deny yourself, turn, turn from living life on your own and surrender control to Jesus Christ. And he goes into verse 39. Then we get down to 40 with many other words. With many other words, this is Peter, and this might have been me this week. With many other words, I'm trying, like he's passionate. He's just trying to display this gospel message with many other words. He has passion, and it's from the heart. Then we get down to verse 41. Look at this. Doesn't this sound like a pretty cool little deal? Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Talk about a logistical nightmare. God is beginning to build his church from those few that he threw the keys and said, then they, then they what? You're the church. He empowers them. He gives them the Holy Spirit. He begins to build his church. This is like the first mega church right here, man. He sends his Holy Spirit to give people boldness to share the gospel. And in Matthew 16, 18, we see this verse alive because Matthew 16, 18 says, I will build my 
church. Jesus is the head of this. He was the head then, and he's the head now, and he says, I will build my church. So it doesn't matter if I even mess up this message today. I will build my church. At this time, there was about 120 people waiting in the, in the room, and they're obeying God. Because God has said, wait for me. And they, he sends his Holy Spirit to them. Then, then what does he do next? He saves a whole lot of people. So from 120 people to 3,000, that's a whole lot of people, isn't it? Oh, but us. <laughs> us and our church. Our church project. Our Jacob's Well. Our Ecclesia. We say, man, 120 or whatever it may be, like, this is the perfect church. And think about this. Read this. Like, this was a pretty good church. They had everything in common. They played Xbox all day. They helped each other's needs. I mean, look, read about this church. They served each other. They loved each other. That sounds like a pretty ideal church to me. How about you? Oh, but Jesus, you go and ruin this whole perfect church thing. They were knitted together. And some of them spoke different languages. But today, if we get a little uncomfortable, we're like, uh, the music's a little too loud. We don't see eye to eye with everyone in it. My church. Jesus, you have the audacity to come and mess up my church. Like, this is, this is nice. I like this. It's comfortable. This is good. Oh, but that music, that style, you know, I don't, I don't know. Well, that Aaron guy, man, he's, he's weird. Yeah, welcome aboard. This is Jesus' church. He's building his church. I like the size, the style. I want to camp out right here. And look what Jesus does from the very beginning. He says, 120 of you, cool. You got a good thing going on? Boom! I will build my church. And today he says, I will build my church. And he adds to it. He's not building a building, is he? He's building people. He builds his church. They didn't build their church. That's a very cool thing for me as I look at this. Like, I'm not talented enough and neither are you. We will fail all the time. But Jesus says, I will build my church. And look what he did to these guys, to these disciples. He built his church. They didn't do it. They didn't go around and hand out flyers saying, hey, we're going to have these service times and come. Maybe you'll win a camel. Or, you know, falafel or something, you know. It's like, no. Sure, probably sounds like a good growing technique, but no. They didn't know what to do, and Jesus builds his church, and he's building his church. And Church of America, if we could just step back and let Jesus build his church, he adds to it people. And their lives are changed. Yeah, but I like my church. You can't find that anywhere in scripture. This is Jesus' church. We should ask the question, how does Jesus like his church? Amen. Oh, wow. I don't know how I got on that one. Let's go to verse 47. (laughs) Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Jesus continues to add to daily to the number of people that were being saved. Church, that's my prayer for us. 
I don't care what the title is. My prayer is that God would continue to build his church, build people, and add to the number daily those whose lives are being changed. Because when you get this love message of Jesus Christ, like you get it, that gospel message, it changes your entire life. It messes up that perfect thing you got going on. And it's awesome. Your marriage is strengthened. You actually enjoy your boss again. Well, maybe not. But you pray for him at least, or her. Like, it changes your entire life when this gospel message hits you. (laughs) They didn't know everybody. Look around. Do you know everybody in this room? And God still used that church in a powerful, powerful way. He didn't give them church so they could know everybody. No, that's why he gave them a house church though, by the way. And so I'll just do a selfish little plug right here. Not selfish, but a shameless plug right here. There's no way you can know everybody in this room. Just not, not deeply, not intimately. It just is impossible. But get involved in a house church. I, 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 I encourage every single one of you, get involved in a house church because we can't know everybody here. The house church is where we get together and we make disciples and we look at each other and we cry together. And, oh yeah, we help pay each other's bills when, they, when we're down and out. And I mean, that's community. And we make disciples in those moments in church. If you don't have a house church or a community around you, life is going to be hard. So reach out and don't make excuses. Get plugged into a house church. Get a community around you. Because together, God's going to do incredible things. And then I just ask the question for us. Does God trust us enough to add numbers even to what we're doing? Let's go to verse backwards, sorry, to verse 44. And then we'll wrap up here. Verse 44 All the believers were together and everything in common. They sold their properties, their possessions, and gave to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily. There's people from Jerusalem. There's people from Rome. Look in chapter 2, verse 8, which says where all these people are from. There's rich people. There's poor people. There's people that speak the same language. There's people that don't speak the same language. And it reminds me of this. This is who the gospel message reaches. Galatians 3, 28. There is neither, neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. This message is for everyone in church. Yet, we get comfortable. And we won't reach across and get to know the other person. Say, oh, they, they speak a different language. They're different than me. Thank God that they're different from you. Church, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning, didn't he? He was building his church and it was a whole bunch of random people thrown together that were not capable. Not. And he sent his Holy Spirit and poured it on them and says, I am doing something. He's building his church, his people I hope you could follow that message. I want to put some skin on this message for us right now. We are the church. Look around. We are the church. 
a body of believers that God is going to use to reach people that, that he's already pursuing. We share the gospel and he does whatever he wants with it. Isn't that cool? We share that gospel and he does whatever he wants with it. We love each other. We care for each other. We, we meet the needs of each other. We get together and we pray for each other. We get together and we study scripture together. And Jesus will build his church. Does this sound like fun? Does this sound like a great way to spend our only life that we have? Letting Jesus build his church? I think of that and I say, sign me up and amen to that. I um, want, want to move this into a different kind of time. If you were part of Church Project, we sent out an email and it said, hey, come today because we have a, a pretty, very, a very cool announcement that we want to make. And so I want to move this, this kind of off of a message and into what is happening right now with us, with Ecclesia. So I want to invite the, the worship band to come up to lead us into a song because this is now turned into a family conversation. And for the family conversation, we kind of need our family here. And so if you have a kid in the kids area, uh, please go take your tag, go back to that area and retrieve your kids and come back. So our kids will be in here. And so all the leaders will be in here. And then after this song and after we worship God together, um, we'll have our leaders of the church come up here. And we want to share what God is doing with us with this ecclesia in this place right now. So if you would stand, uh, if you have a kid, go retrieve them and come back real quick. And I want to pray for us. Amen. Church, you can have a seat. Uh, all right, everyone shake it up. It's all, it's all good. I want to invite all of our, our leaders up here uh, for Jacob's Well and Church Project. If you guys can, can join us up here. Jack could beat everyone up up here. He's, a, he's true, a CrossFit guy. He's, he's good. Hey, um, so this has been two bodies, two, two church bodies. Uh, we started three, three and a half years ago, about the same time. Jacob's Well, Church Project. Um, we've experienced a lot of the same similar things. Jacob's Well was started as, as church at Dayspring. Um, church Project, we were started as Project Salt. And then we both decided midway that we're going to change our names. So we changed our names. It's been a very similar path that we've traveled for the last, you know, three, three and a half years. Um, God builds his church. It was a couple months ago that, that Arnie... Arnie and, and I began a conversation that was very beautiful and it was uh, what could God be doing here? You know, if God is building his church, what could he be doing here? And as leaders, we've been praying separately for Church Project and Jacob's Well. What, what, what does God have for the future of our churches? And we began to ask very specific questions, just as all of us right here and as Arnie and I were talking, it was, could we possibly do this thing better together? Instead of being two separate bodies meeting in two separate locations, could we possibly be doing this better together? And the answer was, yes. The answer was, 
we've seen an incredible move of God in our two bodies, which leads us to today. See, churches marrying together doesn't really happen. But it's happening here. And if we look at this passage, is God adding 3,000 to our numbers overnight? It looks like it. It looks like our two bodies are now married together, called Church Project, running after the same thing. Our vision is the same. You have men that have been praying and leading us, and we're confident that the, the future is unclear. And we're going to come across uncertain things, but we know where we're going. And we know that this gospel message is at the forefront of everything. And so church, we're experiencing something very special and very unique right now. If you would, look around. We are the body of Christ. He is building his church, the ecclesia. And I'm so excited to see what God does with us as church project. Now, with that being said... I don't know. I feel like I'm all alone right up here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move over here, and I'd, I'd invite Arnie to just share your heart, buddy. Good morning. At my church, we talk to each other. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, good morning. Could I have a little more volume on here? Thank you. So good morning. My, my name is Arnie. Uh, I just want to tell you a story. Um, it's really dangerous to have another preacher, you know, stand up and open his mouth because he doesn't know when to shut up. Um, so I will make this brief. Um, we're excited about what's going on. But two months ago, Aaron and I sat down uh, for coffee and I looked at him in the eye and I said, what do you think about combining our churches? And I think that, I think that question initially shocked you because his eyes glazed over and uh, he fell back in his chair. And, and the thing out of his mouth was, was very interesting. He said, why would we do that? Which I thought was a legit question, right? Because um, it was a new concept. And so I looked at Aaron and I said this, why would we not do that? Uh-huh. And so as he said, for the, for, the, for the last two months we've been praying, we've been considering what God would have us do. Uh, and, and I told him at that moment, I said, you know what? With men, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. Um, and I believe that to the core of my being. I said, if this ever has a hope of working, it's going to take two humble leaders bowing themselves at the foot of the cross, knowing that it's his church and not two separate churches. And in that moment, we both agreed to just pray, humble ourselves, humble our hearts, and move forward. Now, obviously, two churches can't have, or one church can't have two lead pastors. And so God has just been doing some really wonderful things in my own personal life. And uh, we are considering moving on and taking another pastorate. And so God is just kind of orchestrating this beautiful, beautiful work. And, um, and we're excited to be a part of it. We're excited for the future of what the church projects hold. You see before you godly, godly guys who have just really been praying and considering uh, considering this this marriage. And so this morning, as we were greeting people in the back, somebody came in, I think maybe for their first time, like, oh, wow, this is different. It looks like a wedding reception, um, which it kind of does. But I thought, how appropriate is that? Because today really is a marriage uh, between two bodies becoming one. And I just want to close uh, with this passage because it's been on my heart. I've been soaking in it. Um, First Peter 2, uh, verse 9 and 10 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation of people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Church, this isn't about us. This isn't about the church project and Aaron and what he has done. This isn't about Jacob's well and our church and me and what we've done. This is about Jesus Christ building his church. And so I invite all of you. And and again, I know it's uncomfortable, right? In Jacob's well, one of our core values is uncomfortability. We value uncomfortability because my experience is when I'm uncomfortable, that's when I'm growing. When God is stretching me now, I'm becoming more and more holy, more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And so I invite all of you in to this amazing journey of uncomfortability for Jesus Christ, for his kingdom, for his glory, for his church. So those of you that are Jacob's well, let me just say this. You get an upgrade, right? You get a younger guy. (laughs) He has hair, right? There's some good stuff going on here. But let me encourage both churches. Just love each other. Man, just love each other. Die to yourself and just love the stranger across the table so that we can love greedily with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The future truly is uncertain, but we know where we're going and we know who holds it. A lot of details we're going to work out and that doesn't matter. In this place, when, when I see this marriage, the very first thing that I want to say um, is this. Church, can we just stand? Stand. And can we just say, great is our God. Look what he's doing. And so in this place, after this, we'll talk a little bit of just practical stuff. But I'm going to ask Weston to come up and and pray for us right now. And then let's get into a song of worship like we've never worshipped. Great is our God. Amen. Weston, would you pray for us? Lord, you are great. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to love you more and love people around us more. If we do these two things, you will get much glory. Lord, thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for your your blessings upon us. In Christ's name.